0: Uh, some of you, I think, know this story. The picture's not related to the story. I just have to remind myself where I'm going after it's done. Um, my, uh, I have a mom. My mom turned 75, 76 uh, a few days ago. And this story is from not so long ago. Um, my son is now nine. He'll be nine in June. So this is like four years ago. Five years ago. I don't do... I was an English major, philosophy minor. <laughs> I'm now an author and a songwriter. It was somewhere less than 10 years ago.
1: <laughs>
0: um, I was in a meeting um, on a Tuesday night, and um, my mom was watching my son. We've since then had another, another child um, who's younger than him. Um, thank you. Thank uh, <laughs> See, I can do some math. It's pretty basic. Uh, And uh, my mom had, like, she kind of knows, like, for the most part, she's not one of those moms. She's a great mom. She's not one of those moms that's like, like, if if she's babysitting, she's not really babysitting. She's watching my kids because she's grandma. If she's grandmothering, she doesn't, like, ping me just to be like, where's the butter? She doesn't do those things. It's like, I can't find the salt. She just, like, she figures stuff out. So if I get a message from my mom while she's with my kids, it's like a thing. Right? And it's been the kind of, it's not like even a rule we had to put down. It just is. Like, if something went wrong, the phone would go off. And so, in the middle of this meeting, my phone goes off. It's my mom. Um, and uh, she is just, the text says, call me. And I was like, oh, snap. So, it takes me a second to be to be like, hey, I need to get up. I need to step outside. Meanwhile, she's left me a message. <laughs> And so, I, I, as I'm walking out, I go voicemail, pop my earbuds in, listen, and she says, "Hi, um, I need you to come back. Uh, I, I think I might have broken my leg. Let's parse. Let's parse that sentence. Just a little bit. I think I might have broken my leg." If you had broken your leg, there is no might, and you're not thinking. You just broke your leg. This is my mom, though. I think I might have broken my leg. I drive back to the house. I walk in, and I, and I head up the stairs, like pull into the garage, and then you walk in, there's a little... Anyway, so I come to the stairs, turn the corner, and there's my mom sitting on the floor with my son playing cars. She's sitting down the floor. Just sitting there like this, playing cars, making the car noise. And my son's playing along. And I'm like, I left a meeting. Like I, like, I left a meeting. What do you. I walk over there and, I have, and I'm like, what's going on? And I get, as I get closer, uh, legs have a particular shape unless one of them is broken. One of her legs maintained regular leg shape. The other leg had a new angle. And as I got close to my mom and I, and I, I looked down at this leg that now kind of had one of these things going on to it, she said, get him out of here. <laughs> so I pick up my son and I take him downstairs, my wife shows up about about you know 3 minutes later and I'm like, hey, I'm like and she then she lays down and like then then the pain washes over her and she's and and I'm like I'm like, I'm like do, do, she's like you should call 911. I'm like, you should have called 911. You call me. Don't call me. Call 911. So This is a woman who, and and I said, so what happened? And so this, she said, she was ready to go down the stairs to take him to go to bed. And she was wearing uh, socks. And I've told her a hundred times, I'm like, please don't wear socks going down the stairs because it's slippery. Uh, As they're heading down the stairs, he was kind of scooting down on his bottom because he wasn't a hundred percent safe on the stairs yet. And as she took a step, she slipped And she realized that if she maintained her normal trajectory as gravity would dictate, she was going to land on him. And so this mom-grandma-slash-ninja thing went into effect, and she like contorted herself in the air to maneuver out of his way, but when she landed, she landed with her foot on one of the stairs, and she sat down on her leg and and snapped underneath her. So she says, I I said, but that's on the stairs. How'd you get to the kitchen? Because it's like... 10 stairs, and then like 15, 20 feet to the kitchen where they were playing. She said, hear this. She goes, I didn't want him to freak out, my son. I didn't want him to freak out. This is the first thing in her mind. I didn't want him to freak out. I said, okay. So she said, Asa, can you go get my glasses upstairs, please? So he leaves to go get her glasses. Meanwhile, she unfolds her leg And then pushes her step up, stair by stair, backwards, up the stairs, across the floor, to where Asa has, like, gone to the kitchen and found her glasses and now started playing with cars. No man I know would have that story. Not one. Not a single guy I know would be like, well, I was in pain, but I decided to not let the child know. Not a chance. Like, no, there's no guy I know. Would we'll be that way. And then, here's the thing. Like, these are the stories. And I, like, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, like, this is funny. We're going to go somewhere with this. Like, these are the stories we tell about moms and Mother's Day Well, some of us tell stories like this. But this is one. First, side note. This is a woman who, like, landed, snapped her leg in half and was sitting on part of it, who then called me instead of 911 and said, I think I might have broken my leg because she didn't want to freak me out either because she has been so used to putting other people first man can we as a culture like it's mother's day and we're going to I'm going to like I'm not going to do this kind of traditional mother's day teaching but like can we do this thing where like we no longer make celebrating moms this token moment but we instead recognize the absolute majesty, power, and example that, that it is to be a mom. That it's not a thing that's said over here that like once a year we stop and be like, that's neat, we got you a card. But instead, someone like me would look at the way mom's mother, would look at the way that women love people and say, I want to be more like that because that's what the love of God looks like. Not just once a year, but every day, all the time. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah. Um, so last time, uh, last time I was here, we did this thing um, where like, I, the text that I'm going to read from, we're going to read together, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it. And then I've got a couple things that I have prepared that I'm interested in potentially saying, depending on what God has to say here, because I'm way more interested in what God is doing in you than I am in what God is doing up here. And that's the thing I've learned from my mom, who's more interested in listening to my stories than telling her own. Which is why only now that I'm 45 and my mom's in her mid to late 70s, they're like, I get to hear these stories about her life because I'm finally asking her questions. Can someone say amen? amen. Um, but so what we're going to do is I'm, I'm going to ask for three volunteers. Hands up. Three volunteers who are, who are uh, decent readers. One, two. I need. I need a third, three. So you'll read first, you'll read second, and then you'll you'll read third. Will you stand and read this passage for us? Stand from up there. I'm all, I'm, a, I'm. a professional. I have. I have it all. It's up there on the board. And there'll be two. There'll be two slides. So that one. There'll be one more.
2: After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by himself, There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, walking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished in the same way the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist.
0: Awesome. Thank you. As we go through this a second time, this is what we did last time, we just take a little breath here. Um, As we go through this a second time, uh, pay attention to a word, a phrase, an image, something that pops into your mind as you hear the Scriptures. Again, what's What is important here is, like, what God is doing in this community, in your soul, in your heart, in your mind, which is part of what the Scriptures do. Can I get an amen? Amen. We don't just read them and memorize them and have stories to tell. We let the Word get inside of us and unpack us from the inside out. So pay attention to, like, how is this getting inside you? Is there something that comes up? Is there a word? Is there a phrase? There's an image from the story that sticks to your memory as you hear it the second time? Will you mind standing and
1: reading? After six days... Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. When he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. His disciples asked him, Why then, do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, "To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist.
0: So take a moment. If there was a word or a phrase that jumped in your mind, it was something that kind of came up, it was something that stirred in you, hang on to it. What was that? Hold on to it. If you want to write it down, you got a journal, you can write it down. And then listen for it this third time through. I'm going to read this text one more time. Uh, and listen for your word or your phrase. Listen for that image. Pay attention to that as you go through. Was there something? Was there not something? Third reading. After six days,
3: Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell tell you, Elijah has already come. They did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist.
0: Thank you. So, as we read through this a few times, and this is where I passed it to the floor, what, was there a word or a phrase that jumped in your mind? Hand up and you can tell me. Tell the room. What jumped in your mind, what'd you hear? Um, I couldn't figure out why they thought he was talking about jumping back. Okay. Because I think that's not true. Okay, interesting, that's good. What else, what else came up in your head? that's good what else what'd you hear go right there in the back and then the, right here. Uh,
2: Peter's response about wanting to build the uh, shelters was just interesting to me why because it seemed like
0: he was trying to figure out what to do to build a space maybe <laughs> right <I'm> sure. <laughs> total awkward dude moment um I'm gonna build a thing yeah <laughs> It's a great that's a great insight. Yeah. The word transfigured a lot. Yeah, right? something into your mind. Why do you think that jumps out for you? I
3: of
0: Jesus being being transfigured, Interesting. Yeah. Kind of like the, this weird sort of semi-magical thing that happens where like everything else is pretty mundane and then there's a teaching, but then there's this like like he's legit glowing. It's <laughs> just things like I mean, he's it's, 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 like glowing and levitating in there. People are like, what's this? Yeah, that's a really interesting, strange moment. Right here in the back, and then over there. Here, and then there. I noticed that God didn't wait for Peter to finish speaking. Oh, interesting. That's good. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe God was like, okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> We've heard enough of you.
1: Yes? i think that he's just told not to to people something amazing happened. Right? That's kind of strange.
0: Yes. Don't
1: tell anybody. Don't tell
0: anybody. And it's not, what's your name? Paul. Well, Paul. And it's not like the first time he's done that. Like he would heal someone and then he would say, hey, don't say anything. And you're like, it's like the worst PR move ever. Like it's not the point to let people know. I, I completely agree. It's fascinating to me. A few more. In the back, yeah.
2: Don't, don't
0: tell anyone. Yeah. Right after that,
2: they asked,
3: Why did you say that lot that, of uh, Those lines
0: don't go. Too- oh, yeah. Like, there's kind of like a little gap there in the story for you. Like, wait, how is that the next question? I think, I think that's really interesting. What? Uh, if you had to guess, like, what's happening there? Okay, it was good. It's good. To, it's good to not know. In the, all the way in the back, real loud because you're back there.
1: Uh, the two things that the two words that seemed like they had kindness and love attached to them. Huh. And one was that God was pleased with Jesus, and the other is when Jesus said, "Don't be afraid."
0: Oh, it's good. I like that. Uh, there in the back, and then right here.
3: How long were
0: they up there? Oh yeah, like how long would this whole thing go on? Yeah, was it like a cup? Was like a couple minutes? Was it like a few hours? Was it half a day? Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Right here. Three
2: important
1: words for life: listen, to, him.
0: That's really good. Which might be part of what happens here. What was your name in the back? Courtney. Courtney, and I wonder if there's a connection there. And I don't know, but like. Sort of like someone else was saying, like, the, like, like they can't not do something. <laughs> like, it's sort of like they're like, uh, I'm gonna build something, and and then he's like, Hey, don't just don't say anything, and then the, and then the next thing that happens, they're like, Hey, let's talk about the theological ramifications of this. Like, it's like such a weird like man moment again, where it's like we're gonna do something about it. Oh, and then we're gonna explain it as opposed to just God says, just listen. How about you just listen? I love that. Any anything else over here?
2: What an incredible honor and be um, in your in inner circle
0: where yeah. these rows were brought
2: up and then got the progress shows up.
0: Yeah. And then
2: they're told, don't tell anybody. So like, <laughs> I would be bursting. Right. But I would be like, wow, this, wow, this is so important. Yeah. I mean, this team must trust me.
0: Yeah. So much fun. Yeah, and, there's, and, so, and that's the thing that I keep coming back to um, is this thing. And when they're coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. I mean, this is, like, uh, this is such a strange, I mean, you hit it, a few people kind of touched on elements of this. It's like I, and, and, and like I said, it, I've seen it in other, in other texts, in other moments where like, Jesus will do something truly remarkable, like a thing that is worth remarking on. To have healed someone, to have revealed something like this, and then the instruction is don't say anything. And at least at this point, he says don't say anything until the son of man has been raised from the dead. But oftentimes it's just hey, don't talk about this. So part of what I'm part of like part of what I'm coming to in in this moment is I honestly did I like f- used to find this like entirely completely and totally confounding. This makes zero sense. Like why wouldn't you go? tell people what you just saw. Like, if the point is, hey, there is hope in the world and all things are being made right through the one through whom all things are made and hold vault. I mean, like, if the point is to let the world know, then why tell people to hush? Like, why? And then a couple things started to sink in. And maybe you'll go with me on this. Boy, I've been told some truths by some people who weren't ready to tell those truths. Because it's one thing to be told the truth by someone who is living that truth and it's a whole other thing to be told the truth by someone whose life does not reflect the truth they're telling. Someone want to say amen? Amen. I have begun to recognize that there are truths that I have told over the course of my life that I have not lived and that there is no power in a truth that comes from a life that is not changed by and infused by that truth. I'm just telling stories. The gospel is not just some story people get to tell who have microphones up front in churches. Someone say amen? Amen. So I wonder if part of what happens here in this moment is is this, that like this, that what they're not, what they're not, they're not ready. You're not ready to tell the story. You don't know what to do. They had no idea what to do. You're not ready to tell the story because you don't know what's happening. Not only do you not know what's happening, it hasn't happened to you. Like, and I do this all the time, where like, I'll just, I'll be moved and inspired by something and then I just kind of pass it on. And you've been there where like, you saw something go down and you want to tell the story and then you start to tell the story and then people start asking you questions. You're like, "Um, I don't remember the details. And you realize like, you're ruining that person's story. (laughs) I don't want to do that to the gospel. So maybe part of what Jesus is doing when he says, hey, don't talk about this, is because there are truths that we receive into our lives that we can't treat like facts. We have to receive them into our lives as the transformational reality of Christ in us, that we would in fact be changed by that truth, we would be indwelt by that truth before we're ready to pass it on. Then maybe it would be more natural, that the truth wouldn't just be a thing like we hear from God and then just say, but in fact... Who we are would be the story we tell. But I'm actually changed by my encounters. If I had this encounter, my instinct would be to just go talk about it. What would be harder for me would be to figure out how it is that I'm actually changed by that. Because I should be changed. Like you're saying, like, I was just led into the inner circle. Like God the Father speaking to Christ the Son... Elijah and Moses show up. I don't get, I, honestly, I have no idea what's happening there. Like, there are lots of stories about that, lots of teaching. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. And if I'm there, I don't know. But what I know is like, that's the kind of moment that I shouldn't just feel like I own. But I should be changed by. The antithesis to that kind of truth-telling, where we just, we just kind of pass stuff on, we kind of mouth off, uh, is Mary. My friend John DeVente painted this uh, a number of years ago. And this line here, but Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart. There is no more profound truth-telling moment in the history of humanity than what Mary hears, which is that you are pregnant with the Son of God. You are impregnated I'm not just saying, hey, God lives in you in some kind of cool spiritual way. No, no, no. You are impregnated with the Son of God. You are impregnated with the divine. The divine. God. You are pregnant with God. And what happens for Mary is, here's here's what Mary does not do. You don't have all these stories about Mary going around town and telling the story. Some of that's cultural Because it's not like some pregnant teenager can be like, here's what happened. And everyone's like, that's wonderful. That's not how that story goes. So circumstantially, Mary kind of had to be a little bit quiet. But also, like, she didn't have to be told to be quiet about this. She didn't, have, she didn't have to be told. She wasn't instructed by the angel. Hey, you are like, you are, you are indwelt by God. You will give birth to the Messiah. By the way, keep this to yourself for a while. No, she just naturally did so. And what it says is that na- her natural inclination was to keep, to treasure these things. What Peter wants to do is build a freaking monument. He wants to build, hey, God, something cool happened. I'm going to make something out of it right now. Like he's not trying to treasure this. Like, you're saying, like, you know what just happened? Can you stop and treasure this reality? But Mary, as a mom, has to hold this truth in her body. And here, over the course of months, her whole life has changed. Financially. Emotionally. Spiritually. Socially. Physically. Everything about Mary... Every single thing about Mary is fully and completely transformed by the fact that she has been given this truth. I want the truth of God in my life to work that same way. Motherhood isn't just this cute thing. I would go and say that motherhood is an archetype of the spiritual life. Because even when Mary then gives birth to the Messiah, she's responsible for the thing that she gave birth to in the world. And how many of us know what it looks like for people to just kind of speak truth in the world and feel like they have no responsibility for what happens? You just tell truths, online specifically. I'm just going to tell the truth and I don't care what people say. Well, you should. Mary gave birth to the truth and she was still the mother of Christ. Up until the point where he started his teaching ministry, and even as, like, as things went on, I love this moment with Mary. Well, Jesus has been out teaching, he comes back around, and like, mom shows up to be like, Are you okay? Like, is everything all right? Like, there are the people that are trying to hurt you and kill you, and some of your disciples are weird. I don't like these. Like, the Judas guy, I'm not so sure about. Mary legit shows up in the middle of Jesus' vocational life to ask him if he's okay. She's still mothering Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to treat the truths that I speak into and give birth to in the world that same way, that I'm always responsible for the things I said 10, 15, 20 years ago. Because I think that's spiritual truth. I think that's what it looks like. Um, she's, she holds this in her body. Now, again, part of the archetype here is this. She is, like, she, she, as a person of faith, Jesus wasn't an idea for Mary. Like, Jesus was a full-blown, emotional, spiritual, physical reality for Mary. And I think part of the reason, part of the way I get away with treating God like an idea is that I don't let God live in my body. Someone want to say amen? amen? Like, God lives here. God lives here for most of the, most, like God's, God, like idea, it, God's an idea, it's just a spiritual. I don't let God, I don't let my spiritual life actually have an impact on my, my body. And again, here's where like the feminine and particularly motherhood reinforms the way we understand it. It is no small thing to recognize, which I've said a, a bunch of times when I'm here, that the first people to recognize, to, 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 to see, uh, to recognize, and to announce the resurrection of Jesus were what? They were women. Why were they there? Cleanse to cleanse his body. Because after the death of Christ, the women went to attend to the body of Jesus. His body mattered to them. He held, they held the memory of Jesus in their bodies because they were people who know that people aren't just other people, people who are people, that you lived in another person's body. The truth lives in your body, not just in your head. So, What's it look like for you and I to practice, to actually live in a way in which Christ, the truths of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus, the divine, has a place in our actual bodies? Well, we're going to do a little thing today uh, called the body prayer. Will you please stand up with me and make sure you've got a little room around you? When I pray, most of the time... Um, when I have prayed most of the time, you're going to need a little bit, you're going to need to make like about, about this much room. So you're going to have to spread out in the room, get some space. When I pray most of the time, and I think you're with me, uh, I pray and it's like, it, it's stuff that happens in my head. I'm trying to sit still and that's all fine. I might be reading something I might journal, but it, it's predominantly like a mental in my head exercise. And when learning, what I'm learning to do is with something, like, this, there are no words in this prayer. I'm going to teach it to you. There'll be some words involved, right at the first just as a teaching point. But this is literally a way to pray with my body. Y'all ready for this? Yeah. So there are several postures. Uh, and the first one is like, especially when I come into space, any kind of space, I come in with some stuff with me, mental, emotional, physical stuff. And would, like generally, no matter what point in the day it is, you walk into prayer, you walk in with some stuff on your mind. And here's, can we be honest about stuff? Like in terms of like our stresses, and the things that bother us. We carry certain kinds of emotional memory here. But a truckload of what we experience in the world lives here. It lives in your body. Stresses. There are memories that you have that like live in your skin, in your muscles. That like, your mind doesn't make a whole lot of sense of. You don't know why you feel the way you feel. Because it lives in your body. Someone say amen? amen. So I show up and I got stuff on me. So this is what the first part, and you don't have to do this with me yet. The first part of the body prayer is it just kind of, it's, it's it's a releasing. I'm just going to let go. I'm going to dangle. I usually kind of shake my hands. Usually take a breath, and then the second part of the body prayer is once I've released for a second, to so stand back up, and now I'm ready to receive, and I open my arms in a posture of reception. And after I've received for a moment, then I embrace and I hold. And we're going to come back to this in a second. I hold on to this for a moment. I hold on to whatever it is I've received. And sometimes I don't know what I've received. And I'm not trying to make sense of what I've received. I'm just receiving it. and I'm holding it. And after I've held it for a while, then I'm able to release it. To the world. And that's the whole body prayer. That's it. So walk through it one more time with me. The first part is just to release. And you show up. You don't know everything that's in you. You're just going to release. You're going to lean forward. Shake your hands out. And then you're ready to receive. What does God have for you? I don't know. Or whatever he wants to give me, I want to open myself to that. Now I'm going to hold it to myself. And I'm going to treasure and ponder. Because what I naturally want to do is I want to go from receiving to passing on. But whatever truth, whatever love, whatever goodness, whatever grace God has offered me, he doesn't just offer me so that I would pass it on. He would offer it to me, that I would be loved, that I would have that grace. So I have to hold that to myself and receive it for me. And then I can release to the world and give. Thoughts, reflections. Tell me about your experience. Anything pop up? How was that? Great. He liked it. Why was it great? What's your name? Max? It's a great shirt. Max, tell me why it was great. There's more going on for you, and you're able to kind of be there. Yes. No. okay, good. Other other experiences. Talk talk to me. Anything pop up in your head, your mind? Did something, you feel something? What went on? Right. Yeah. yeah that's good in the back
1: um i really like the part where you receive god's word and then you give it out because god says that through life you walk your journey and you make disciples while you walk hmm. and you don't go somewhere and make disciples you do it while you walk that's good so taking god's word and
0: giving it out to others was a nice. you connected with that part yeah. that's good what was your name uh, my name's Alessandra. Are you sure? There was a pause there. Say it again. Alessandra. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: kind of like uh, you know the receiving part because normally, like in prayer with me, you know, I'm generally, you know, I have an itinerary. I'm, you know, I'm asking for things. <laughs> right.
0: And, um, an itinerary. Yeah. It's printed out. Yeah. Bullet points. I what I need. Yeah. The day. Please
1: Bless me, you know, and show me your favor, you know. And this way, you're just kind of Yeah. And it's you know it's what God wants to bless you with that day, put on your heart, put on your mind for that day, that moment. So I like that open-ended That's part good. Of receiving, whatever God wants you to receive at that time.
0: Yeah. That's good. Couple more. Anything else? Here and then here. Yeah. Yeah, and especially and for, for me, like I'm a, I'm a physical, like I, the jogging is a form of prayer. Like I'm, I'm hyperphysical, but to like actually embrace these things, like practice these things as prayer, I mean, it takes me a minute because I had there is a full-blown, like divide in my mind between things that are spiritual and things that are, things that are physical. But that was not the case with Mary. And it was not the case with Christ. And I don't want that to be case to be the case with me. Uh, over here.
1: The fact that you can only hold something or learn something, you have to give it away.
0: Yeah, that's part of it. You it and you will one way or another, right? Like you pass on your truth. You pass on the, the truth in your life. Hopefully, you pass on the truth of God. Regardless. And again, this is why, like, passing on stuff that I have not lived is so dangerous. Because I will say things that I am not living and if you are around me long enough, you will know the difference. Can someone say amen? Amen. And guess what we learn to mistrust when we continue to live that way? We learn to mistrust the truth, period. Because if you can have that in your head and it doesn't change the way you live, then what kind of power was that in that truth? I want to Tell truths that I've lived and been transformed by so that people would come to know Christ and not come to know some story I told about Jesus. My mom is a person who is fully transformed by my being. And it's why I matter to her. Can we be honest about that? Like, she knows other kids, I'm her favorite (laughs) because I'm hers. And part of the reason, part of how that is, is like I lived in her body. And then she was physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially responsible for me. That's how she knows me. That archetype for what it looks like to be indwelt and to, be, and to pass on to be responsible for the gospel, for the passing of Christ in our life, I, I want that for myself. That Jesus would be important to me because he's lived in me. One more last thing?
2: Often when I pray, I'm all kind of scrunched down and a bit small, and um, it made me realize that when you do that, you're saying,
0: I want, I
2: want them. I yeah. desire what they
0: have. I, I love that. Um, let's, uh, let's go, we're going to go to the time of communion, another physical practice. Um, And it's one of the reasons why this continues to be so important for uh, not just us as a congregation, but because everywhere in the world, uh, for the most part, on particular Sundays, the body of Christ, the body (laughs) of Christ uh, will be gathered and will not just think on the crucifixion, uh, but will in fact partake in and practice. Uh, I don't think it's a mistake that Jesus took a piece of bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. But the crucifixion was not a thing that happened. It wasn't just that God did the math and had a ledger and like crossed out what was wrong with the world. But there was a physical reality to it. So Jesus said physically, hey, break this bread. This is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way that he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. We're, this is juice. Um, but blood. Flesh and blood. That the thing Jesus gave us to to constantly come back to him, the thing that is perhaps most common historically, globally, cross-culturally about Christian practice in community is the remembrance of the actual physical body and the actual blood of Jesus. That this is what we gather around. That we would offer our whole selves to him to be received and then to be offered back to our world. So I'm going to play uh, a song, and whenever you're ready, you come to the table uh, and partake in the body and the blood of Jesus.